If you would, open your Bibles with me to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 4. It's a special occasion for which we gather. Are you aware that our church over the last 15 years or so made a commitment? Made a commitment to building a facility that could be a blessing to the kingdom of God, a blessing to our community and even to ourselves. We decided that our fellowship hall wasn't of a condition that it could be the blessing it needed to be for our church. So we renovated it, built the Family Life Center from scratch, spent, pretty sure it was over $2 million. And as of, I don't know, a year and a half ago or so, we don't owe anything. That's not true. We do owe something. We just don't owe $2.2 million. Scripture says what we owe is to be indebted to one another in love. That means to one another. It means to the community. It even means to the world that our indebtedness needs to be in love to minister in grace and mercy. And that's who we are. So today I want us to look at what memorials and remembrances, what they're really all about. Joshua chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Now you know that Joshua and The children of Israel had finished up the journey of Moses coming out of Egypt. You know the part of the story. Verse 1 says, When all the nations had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone. Take it upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, and that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant, the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, The waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. 
And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan and the place where the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste and when all the people had finished passing over the ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people and the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the Lord, before the God of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. And on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of Israel. And they stood in awe of him, just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, command the priest bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, come up out of the Jordan. And when the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, what do these stones mean? then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. May God bless the reading of his word. Yes, I have a few stones around my house. Got a couple in my office as well. Places I've been, places that are significant so that I feel like I, I have some of the land with me. Now, you heard me share with the kids that my first Burton was uh, buried uh, near Hopewell, south of Richmond, near Point of Rocks Park, and I've been there. And then uh, after a mission trip, stopped in Scotland and uh, went to the Battle of Culloden, the great battle where the Scots sought freedom, freedom, deliverance from the English. It did not go well, but their hearts 
were still filled with freedom. And I found the spot where my ancestors, their battle line had stood. And I kind of scratched around until I found a little rock. And it was not a little rock, it was a big old long rock buried and I had no tools but my fingernails. And I dug that rascal out, got it in my bag, checked at the airport, able to bring it back home. And so where my people stood and fought for freedom, I have a little piece of the earth. And then I'm also blessed to have been in Jamestown and found a big old junk pile where they'd been doing excavating, just pitching dirt and rocks, just scattering it. There was just little rock sticking out of that dirt pile. Then I picked it up. And I realized this rock was in the well at Jamestown. Now, I don't know if Pocahontas pitched it in or not, but this rock was in the well at Jamestown. And so my ancestors, like some of your ancestors, came through Jamestown those early days. And uh, this reminds me that I have a piece of history. A piece of history. It's what memorial stones are about. They're about remembering what has come in the past. You'll look on the screen, you'll see a cairn, just like the little dog cairn. A cairn is a stack of stones made as a memorial to someone's memory or an event or something of significance in history. You should know there's a little cairn on top of a mountain on the Isle of Egg where I buried a memento of my father. Because I believe in memorials. I believe in people. I believe in what God has done. Wherever you go around the world, you find these, these stacks of stones, these memorials. The, the use of memorials by Israel was common all throughout the Old Testament. We find a memorial, memorial, a witness stone, a memorial. But this one, this one today, well, you know this story. For hundreds of years, Israel languished in slavery in Egypt, and God miraculously delivered them. He led them back to their homeland. Yes, they were a stubborn people. They were a selfish people, even sinful. They complained. They whined about returning to Egypt, even though God provided bread and meat for them daily, they were an ungrateful people. Even when Moses was conferring with God on the mountain, they were dancing and worshiping a, to a golden calf. It took an entire generation of wandering before God finally was able to work out this attitude through attrition. And with Moses' death came the fulfillment of his promise to the young man Joshua. And here they are at the banks of the Jordan. It is time. Bring on the ark. The crossing of Jordan was a reminder of God's grace. Now the Jordan is not a wide river. It's not like the Ohio, the Mississippi, uh, the, even the French Broad River. It's smaller than those. 
But the scripture tells us the banks were full, meaning it was that time of year when the water was really raging. It would have been difficult, even dangerous, to cross in many places. So they came to the Jordan River, and it was time. It was time to occupy and take the land that God had promised them. So they made their preparations, but they couldn't make them without God. Because the Lord had already spoken to his new young cohort, and Joshua knew the plan of God, that the ark would go before them. And the ark, which symbolized the presence of God, the ark which possessed the, um, uh, the rod of Aaron that budded on command, uh, the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone, as well as a little bowl of the fresh bread that God sent from heaven every day. Reminders that God gives the law, God directs, and God provides. And so, it's time to cross. The priests holding the poles that ran through the rings on the sides of the ark were carrying them, and as they stepped to the water, the water drew back. It was not a great giant wind that blew it back as we read in the story of uh, Moses in the Red Sea. No, this time God himself just parted the water and the people crossed. They crossed with the ark. They crossed as a reminder that the same God, the same God, who delivered Moses and the children of Israel out of Egypt is the God who delivers them today. He did it the same way. He did it intentionally. That they would know that the hand of the Lord was with them. They have never been alone and they are not alone. The children of the adults that left Egypt were the ones who benefited by the grace of God and crossed the Jordan. Do you see God doing that for you? God at work in your children? Do you not realize that today we baptize two children? The timing is happenstance on my part, godly on his part, that a, a family that lived and served in our church, had a daughter that grew up in our church and married, and now her children are being baptized. A family that's been a blessing to our church forever brought a grandchild to be baptized as a sign that the same God who was with us in past generations is the same God who ministers today. Yes, the crossing of Jordan was a reminder of God's grace, and it is even today a reminder of God's grace. The memorial that was in the middle of Jordan was a reminder that God uses people. Did you notice there's two memorials? That, that's confusing to some. The first one, from when they were in the middle of the river, and God told Joshua, have 12 men, one from each tribe, take up a stone on their shoulder, and where you go in camp, that would be at Gilgal, 
We want you to make a memorial there as a reminder of what has been taking place. But it was more than that. Joshua went one even more, and he made sure that a second memorial was established in the middle of the river. You might go, why would he do that? Nobody will ever see it. Nobody will ever see it. Oh, yeah, they will. God will see it. God will know that Joshua is grateful for the grace of the Lord. And he knows a memorial, even hidden, should be made to the Lord. Where? At the spot. So you look out from the banks and you say, somewhere out there is a memorial. And it's at the very spot with the priest's feet, the soles of their feet, touch dry land in the midst of a mighty river. Sometimes we don't see everything that God's doing. We just don't. We don't see everything, but he's still at work. And we believe he's at work by faith. And the journey we've been on has so many places and times where things were done that we were oblivious to, but were still the hand of God. We would not want to live a life without that, without that grace and without that mercy. We go knowing God provides, He leads, He directs, He protects, and God uses people. He used those six priests who carried the ark wherever they went. He used Joshua, who led the people the last part of the way. He used Moses before that. He used Moses' brother Aaron and his sister Miriam to hold up his hands when he grew tired and weary because God was with him. And as long as his hands were up, uh, the battle would be the Lord's. And so we find that each person has always made a difference in God's kingdom and in his work. And the memorial in the middle of the river serves as a reminder to us all that God chooses to use us. Now listen, if he didn't use us, he'd use somebody else. So when we set up memorials and celebrations, we want to be a little bit careful that those memorials and celebrations aren't so much about people but about God. And we're grateful that God has used people and that he uses us. And he is the divine orchestra conductor. Each of us, we know what our music is. That's all we know. We don't know what everybody else is playing. We don't know the opus, that is the work that's before us. Only the conductor has that. All we know is that we are prepared to play our music. We are prepared. And when he points at us, we play with all we've got. Because that's all we know. And when the finished product is done, an orchestral piece of great beauty is performed. So it was with Joshua. 
So it was with Moses, and so it is with us. We play for the glory of God. Aren't you glad he has allowed you to be a part of the church? Aren't you glad that he saved you, that he redeemed you, that he continually puts the pieces together in your life? Aren't you glad that he has a purpose for your life? He wants you involved. He wants you to be a follower, a child of his. The memorial in the middle, it was a reminder. God uses people. Now, the stones taken to Gilgal were a reminder the stories must be told. Now, Gilgal was a place of great significance. Many events took place in the scriptures there. It was a place of great memorial, largely because of these stones, almost to a fault, because after a while, Israel, in that part of the country, began to worship at Gilgal. And he never wanted them there. They wanted to worship in Jerusalem, but they worshiped at Gilgal. God had to correct him by the prophet. Elijah and Elisha had headquarters there. The school of the prophets was there. Uh, great, mighty works were done there. But even they forgot that it's about God, not about us. So the stones were taken there. They were set up there in some type of arrangement as a reminder that we need to be telling the story. What story? After the parents had died and the children had grown, had children of their own, and they would be walking along that way. And Gilgal was a pretty busy place, pretty main crossing to take. When you come by and the kids look and they go, Hey, Dad, what's that pile of rocks there for? And he smiles. He says, oh, honey, those rocks are there because God's been at work. Your grandfather, he was at the Jordan River. His daddy had been in Egypt, and God had delivered them miraculously. Well, you know that story. Yeah, I know the story, Dad. And so... When they came to the river and it was time to come in and take their land back, a land that God had promised them, God whoosh, dried up a path right down the middle of the river, right across, and they crossed it. Everybody crossed it, and the ark went with them, and the ark waited in the middle until everybody had gone by. Then when the ark was carried up to the bank, as soon as the priest's feet stepped up on top of the bank, whoosh, the water filled back in because this river coming out of the Sea of Galilee gives life and greenery and, and prosperity to all the land on both sides of the river. These stones are here because God wants us never forget, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And God was true to his word. That son is why those stones are there. Have you ever going down the highway, maybe been on vacation, see those big brass plaques on the side of the road. Do you ever wonder what they are? Battle of Bluntville, um, maybe uh, Eaton's Fort, 
couple of them I've seen around here. You've been curious about what those are, what they mean? Hmm. My children figured out pretty early, never ask dad what those plaques mean because he'll probably stop and start taking pictures and talk about them and everything and bore us to death. Memorials and plaques are there for a reason. Something happened we must never forget. What story do you have? Let me be straightforward with you. Which story do you share with your children? Because too often, we don't share the things we should share. I mean, our, our kids know how to kick a soccer ball. They know how to wait on a curveball in baseball. They know to keep your elbow tucked in when you're shooting a free throw. They know uh, how to throw a spiral on a football if you want to be a quarterback. I mean, we teach them all this wonderful stuff that's really not going to make a lot of difference in life. But some of the stuff that matters most, we act like we're not competent to tell. Shame on us. It's just a story. What's your story? What is your story of God? Is it salvation? When you came to give your life to Christ, what changed? What happened in your life? How did you invite Christ to come into your life? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your marriage. How God brought you together with your spouse. When you proposed. When you accepted When you got married, where you got married, the words you spoke. Have you told that story to your children? How about your spiritual journey where God has taken you and directed you and found you in times of difficulty or struggle? Maybe times of challenge in your life, an illness, a death, lost a job, and you needed him and he was there. Or maybe an amazing intervention. Something that only God can explain. Only God could work out. And you are so grateful for that. And maybe, maybe this church is your memorial. Maybe this church is your pile of stones. Your cairn, so to speak. How many of you in this room were baptized in here. Raise your hand. Wow. It's a pile of stones for you. How many of you were married in this building right here? Raise your hand. Okay, I see several hands. Anybody married in the chapel, which was the original sanctuary? Raise your hand. Okay, I see a few hands. Let me ask you this. Anybody here The first couple to get married in the chapel, raise your hand. Wayne Strong, I see your hand. (laughs) Maybe you got saved in Bible school. It was here that you gave your life to Christ as a child. Maybe you grew up in the daycare. I'll bet there's some here that had, you know, people that grew up under the 
tender spiritual care of our daycare teachers. And maybe some of you had a life that crumbled and you thought you'd never make it. You thought you'd never survive that death or that divorce. You thought you'd never survive that crisis, that suicide, that drug addiction. And yet, it was here that God's grace was made known to you. I loved the story when I first arrived. I had the chance to know Ronald Hicks just briefly, just so briefly, but it was an honor. Someone told me the story. He wasn't really up to maybe sharing it. That when he was called here, there was no church back in, what, 56, 57. There was no church in Colonial Heights. How can that be? It seems like there's a church in every street corner now, but there were not. There were houses getting started to build. Eastman was expanding. People were buying houses, building them. So he would get in his car. I think, I think in that it was a Woody station wagon. No, no, it wasn't. Look, okay, that's, yeah. Uh, he drove his car to the top of the ridge that overlooks the, the community. He, he drove it to the top. And he would sit there, either in the car, maybe on the hood, or just stand there, and he would look and survey all of Colonial Heights and pray, God, give them to us. God, give us this community. Would you do that? Give it to us. The people that started the church, just a handful of folks, they knew what church was needed. Ronald already had a church. He was doing okay. But God opened his eyes. And he came back down from the ridge with the sleeves rolled up, ready to go to work. And the church, ready to go to work. Well, we're not the only church in town. Bunch of churches now, everywhere. All over Colonial Heights, up and down the road. Four of them with the name Colonial Heights. So, that vision's changed. The prayer's not the same. That there is no church. Would you bring them in? What is your vision? What is your hope? What is your dream? Circumstances, they change in our culture. So what's your dream? If you dare to dream. You know, maybe tonight, about nine o'clock, maybe we ought to just all load up and drive up to the ridge together. And just look and watch and pray until God puts something on our hearts. Would you pray with me?
Lord, we hear you speaking. We're just waiting for clarity. Would you speak to the young and the old, the pioneers, the explorers of our church? We will follow if you will lead. In Jesus' name, amen.